Okay, today we're going to be speaking about the basics of the kashras of meat. So, from a kashras perspective, uh, preparing kosher meat is the most intense and the most sensitive of all foods. You need specially trained people to be shechtim and boikrim and menakrim, and then with that, a whole team of mashkichim, full-time mashkichim all the time, and the stakes couldn't be any higher, because any mistake or anyone who's being a little underhanded um, can lead to people being over an isa derisa, something that you almost never have in any other food, that you could come to such serious violations and that it's so easy to go wrong. Um, so today, and the next the next two times that are part of this like mini-series, uh, I'm going to talk about the basics of what's going on. Uh, you know, we had a whole year worth of shiram on it, uh, but this is going to be just the basics of what things are, and um, let's go from here. Okay, now, the, the first thing to think about is shrita, uh, and that is, um, in order to do shrita, you need to have a shrechet who has enough knowledge and skill to do what he has to do, and, but sort of close to as important is that he should have Yerushimayim. And the reason why he has to have Yerushimayim, he has to be someone who we can really trust to do the right thing, is because a shaykhid makes decisions about things, and a to a certain extent also, he makes decisions that are, are issues that are very subtle, and they're very on the spot, no thinking, and nobody else can check up on him. So it's completely up to him, and it's a quick yes or no decision on which is hanging a very serious issue, either it's a derisa or it's a 100% mutter, based on his decision that he makes over there. So we need someone who's a year Shemayim, on top of the fact that he has to know what he's doing, um, know like book knowledge and actual skill. Okay, now the basic act of shechita is you have to cut the simanim. Those are two uh, things on the neck. One is the kana, the trachea, and the other one is the veshet, the esophagus. Um, and you have to cut them with a sharp knife. And the Gemara says that there are five hilcha shechita, five basic halachas of shechita. And I'm going to go through each one of them and just give each one uh, a little example of each one of them. Okay, the first one is called shehia, which is the shechita has to go in one motion, and there shouldn't be any pauses. A shehia means a pause. There shouldn't be any any breaks in the middle of the shechita. Should keep just the, the cutting should be in one continuous motion. Now Ashkenazim are particularly machmir about this, and they don't even like even the smallest amount of pause. Uh, even the smallest amount of a pause, the smallest shahir in the middle of a shkita, will make the shkita possible. Not only that, <coughs> but because of the problem, because shahir makes a shkita possible, um, therefore, there are sometimes they can't even do a cut to the animal's neck after the shkita is over, while the animal is still being mafarchas, meaning the actual shkita is over, the cutting is over, but the animal hasn't yet 100% died, and it's still um, thrashing around, and because, at, in, if at the wrong way, if done incorrectly, we would view that as a second cut, in which case there was a big break between the first one and the second one, it could be 30 seconds between the first and the second, and that would be a shahiyah. That's how far we take it to be concerned that something is a shahiyah, that even though the second cut was, no one was trying to do shahiyah at that point. Anyhow, it could still might be viewed as a shahiyah. Okay, the second sort of shahiyah is drasa, and that is that the, when the, the shahiyah has to be through slicing, rather than by cutting, or pressing, or chopping. Okay, so the, the shkita has to be a slice through, through the neck. Uh, <clears throat> and one part of making sure we don't have a dross is that the animal has to be secure. The head and the neck have to be secure during the shkita. And one of the ways to do that is by putting the animal into a pen, uh, which holds the animal still. Uh, this way, the, 
that way the animal's head doesn't slam against the knife um, in a way that would um, that might turn it into a uh, that might turn into a dresser. If the animal bang his head into the knife, then that's what's doing the cutting instead of the knife slicing. Also, there's another thing that most people are not so familiar with, which is that a sheikh is not supposed to put his fingers on the blade, because if he does, he might end up, that might lead him towards pushing down and causing a drosser, which would be puzzle, to make the animal to an avail. Okay, the third of the Hilchah is Chavada, <coughs> which is that the knife can't be covered during Shechita, um, and uh, one of the, because of that, that's one of the, <coughs> to, excuse me, to avoid Chavada, is, is one of the reasons why on a sheep, they, they shave the wool on the sheep's neck before shechita. Um, there are other ways to do it also, but they do that. One of the reasons to, to shech the neck, to, to, I'm sorry, to shave the neck, is to avoid the, the wool draping over the chalep, over the knife, and causing a chalep. Okay, the third of the shechita is, is called hagrama, and that is that the simonim, the, the, the parts that have to be cut, have to be cut in the right place. They can't be cut too close to the head, or for that matter, too close to the body either, but the, that part is usually not the issue. Uh, but most problems of hagrama is when the animal is cut too high, too close up to, up to the head, uh, in a way that makes it not kosher. That's not considered, that's no longer the simon, that's considered the neck, that's called the, the mouth, and that's not kosher. Um, this tends to be more of an issue with poultry than with cattle, uh, because in a bird, you know, there's, there's the, the whole area we could shift is that much smaller. So uh, it, it's, it's more common that the agrama would happen in a bird, uh, but it could happen in cattle also for that matter. Okay. <coughs> uh, and last, the last of the shechita is ikor, uh, which is the simonim uh, have to be have to be cut. Uh, the simonim have to be cut by the knife, which is rather than ripped out of the neck or dislodged. When, when it's dislodged, the type of ikor is when it's dislodged called a shmuta. Uh, but it, the simon have to be cut by the knife rather than being ripped out of the neck by the knife or something else or dislodged. Um, so a knife that has pegimas, <coughs> certain nicks in, in the sharpness of the blade, <coughs> could lead to an ikor. Uh, and that's that's the reason why we make sure there's no pegimas in a knife, because if there's a nick, then what's going to happen is that the, that place where there's like this indentation in the knife could catch on the simon, on the, on the, the corner or the veshet, and rip it out rather than slice it. Um, that's where lots of effort goes into making sure the knives are sharp, um, sharpening the knives, and checking them. They have to be checked for beginners before and after every shrita. Um, and if the knife is found to be tra- is found to have a begima after the shrita, then assuming the begima is bad enough, the animal that was shafted will, will be considered trafe. Okay, Now, it takes lots of, of course, as I mentioned, skill, but it takes a lot of concentration and a lot of focus for a uh, to do his job properly. And Lamaisa, um, most of the by and large, when you go around, um, you know, the Gemara says, right, and in fact, nowadays you go around, you see the Shechtim, by and large, the Shechtim are very capable. Okay, but, you know, th- there are things that have to be done to give the Shechtim the ability to do his job properly. Uh, and an important part of that is that the Shechtim has to be given enough time. Meaning that the line, the, the, the speed of the, how fast the animals or the birds come has to be at a pace that's reasonable for him to do all the parts of his job. They check his chalaf and sharpen it if need be, um, check the animal, check the animal if the shechita, check the chalaf if the shechita. He needs, he needs the amount of time you know, to do his job properly. Um, so the, and, and that's really the Rav Amachshir, the job, 
to keep an eye on it and make sure that the they don't the line goes at a speed that's reasonable and comfortable. Excuse me for the shaitan um, to do to do his job properly. Um, for that matter, it's Rav Max's job to make sure that the shaitan gets breaks also, so that he can he can properly focus during the time he's supposed to be working. Okay, now. Um, it happens, it, not very common, but it happens that something goes wrong with the shechita, uh, and the animal is in the vela, <coughs> meaning it didn't have a proper shechita. It was killed, but it didn't have a proper shechita. Based on one of the problems, let's say uh, he finds a begimo, or he finds it was a hagroma, or I don't know, you know, any any of the. Um, he he realizes in the middle there was a dresser that the animal moved his head in the middle and banged against the knife, or uh, any of the here He paused in the middle for some reason. So if there's if something that makes the animal to a and the vela, then the shechet or someone next to him has to mark it, uh, and they need a procedure. How do they make sure that that animal doesn't get sold as kosher? Because after it went for the shechita, it goes through all the other steps that we're going to talk about. It goes through all the different steps, and eventually heads its way towards kosher meat. This was a, this would have shechita to it. So um, different ways to use it. Usually it has a, a cut in the, in the leg. Um, there's different ways to make sure to track to make sure that this animal is marked. This animal and all the parts of it are marked as being from an avail that it's not kosher. Okay, so now, now we move on from Shechita. The next major issue that there is to deal with an animal is trephas. Uh, and that is that if there's certain things that are wrong with an animal, a health issue or a defect, um, it cons- makes the animal to a trefa and the animal's not kosher. So there's lots of different ways the animal can become a trefa, but we say that the, a person is only required to check for the ways that are either very common, reasonably common or somewhat common, or that are very easy to check for. Okay, so in most cases, the only parts of the animal that are checked on the lungs. Um, and that whole idea of checking lungs to find out if an animal is a trefa, um, there's very different ideas, of, well, the different ideas of how that's done. And that leads to all different kinds of standards of how kosher meat is. And what I think is kosher, the next person is, does not think is kosher, um, the next person wants to make it more kosher, all different rules, all different standards, many of the, which revolve around um, this question of how you check the lungs, in Mr. Shem, we're going to talk about that next time, that's not for this time, how, well, how that happens, and what makes this thing called basiosif, and clot, and not clot, uh, all that, that in Mr. Shem has to do with lungs, and Mr. Shem will talk about that the next time. Now, uh, aside from checking the lungs, which you always have to do in an animal, <coughs> uh, it's common that they give a quick check of the stomach, uh, the stomachs are taken out of the animal's body, uh, right around, right near where the body is standing, with the person who's checking the lungs is, uh, and he give a quick look to make sure there's no signs of trefa. He might touch it also to make sure there's nothing inside. Um, it's not very common for, for there to be trefas over there, but since it's easy to check it, and it's right there in front of him, so uh, the Raja says it's near Kamal Ma'amun Isra, if you don't look for it, it's as if you don't care, so that's what we check it. Uh, now, there are some countries in South America where they do a procedure, a surgical procedure to animals when they're alive, um, which affects the first carrot, the carrot, which is the first stomach of the animal, um, and over there, it's pretty, it's standard that they check them, that they, all, every carrot has to be checked, um, to make sure the animal's not JFA. And sometimes dairy cows have an issue with their cable, which is their fourth stomach. Uh, and not so common that a dairy cow comes for shrita, but if it does, then the body should just be aware, and he could keep an eye out for that also. Now, in, in earlier generations, no one ever checked it, poultry for trefa. The Ram says, of a person who check a bird for trefas because it's, it's so rare that they should have them. But nowadays it's not like that. Uh, and our things have to be checked. And Richard Shem, we're going to talk about that in two times from now. When we talk about yeah, Tasha's issues that have to do with birds and poultry, um, meat-related issues that have to do with them. Okay, so, so we, we're, we're now 
moving on from Shafas, <coughs> excuse me, to Nikr, and Nikr is that there are four groups of items that are in the kosher animal. The animal had kosher shechita, and it had no trefas to it. So the animal's kosher, everything's wonderful, but there are four groups of things which are not allowed to be eaten. And they are blood, um, chalev, that means certain fats in the animal that are not allowed to be eaten, the gilhanosha, that's a sciatic nerve, and certain things that are around it, um, towards the back of the animal. And there's some things that are, that are considered mius, that are considered repulsive, that we, and then is we don't eat those things as well. Okay, so those four, again, blood, and chalev, and Gidanasha and things that are mias. Um, most people know that when you do malicha, you salt it, you get the blood out. Okay, and we're going to get to malicha in a second. Um, but before the malicha happens, there are some things, some steps have to happen to get to help with these four issues, these four um, things that you're not allowed to eat, or things that we do before the malicha. Um, and these are all we sort of call them together in, in the call them nikah. Well, the first is that right after. <coughs> Excuse me. Once the animal has been declared that it's not, uh, it is not a trefer, then the animal gets cut in half, and the half means like from the navel to the spine, near across. I don't know. I call when the animal's hanging, it's across. If, you, if the animal would be standing up, it would be from top to bottom or bottom to top. It's it's between the twelfth and the thirteenth rib, and what happens is the rear half of the animal, which we call the hindquarters, which is the, you know, the back legs and that whole back side from the middle of the animal towards the back, is sold as not kosher. Okay, um, now there's a question, is it a, actual a minig in America to not use the hindquarters because uh, of the reason I'm going to tell you in a second? Is that a minig or is it just not practical and therefore um, it's just a decision to not, it's not worth it, the effort and the, the, the concerns, it's not worth it to do it. The CRC's position is lahachmir, that we consider that it's a minute to not use them. Anyhow, we can't use it even when we wanted to. Um, so why is it? Why do we? Why is the hindquarter salt as given to the non-kosher side? The reason is because the girhanasha is in the hindquarters, uh, and all of the chelat, and, and almost all the chelat asmederaisa, not all, but almost all the chelat asmederaisa is in the hindquarters. So by just by selling the hindquarters as not kosher. Uh, we avoid these very serious issues. We don't have to deal with the Gedanashe, which is the Raisa. We don't have to deal with the, the Chelev, which is by and large is in the back half of the animal. Okay? Okay, so now, now that half, that whole half of the animal with the most serious issues has been sort of taken out of circulation, marked as not kosher, now the, the so to speak, real Nikos gets started on the four quarters. Okay, now it happens to be the liver and the tail and the intestines are technically part of the hindquarters, if you had to think about it, where they fit in the animal. But they do are sold for kosher, and we'll see in a second there is some nikot to them also. Um, but for when you say four quarters, that the bulk of the animal is in the four quarters, okay? So, in the four quarters, we have to do the following. got to take out certain fats, or items that are attached to fats, they're called yonik mevachilev, and those come out from the liver and the ribs, the plate, the skirts, and the tail. Okay, you have to take out certain things like that. Then there's blood vessels that have to be taken out from the cheek and the tongue, and then the not the, something that goes from the neck, chuck, and the brisket, and the shoulder and the forearms. And why do we take the blood out? We do this before malicha. We take that out because the blood in those places, it's thicker, bigger blood vessels, and the blood in there will not come out during malicha. Okay? And so therefore we have to get it out before malicha. 
And last is this gland that are taken out from the decal. That's a part of the brisket. Um, the front of the animal, the front lower down part of the animal, and from the hooves, those are considered meas in each one of those places you have to take them out. Okay, so so in the <coughs> that's the meat core. All these piece, parts that have to be taken out, the fats and the blood vessels and the glands that are taken out is what was uh, what we call what we would call nikar. Now, there's lots of different minhagim as to what you have to and what you don't have to take out. The Gemara gives very uh, simple ideas of what has to be taken out. Uh, very minimal ideas, if I can use that word, of things that have to be taken out. But there's all kinds of minhagim, uh, and there are <coughs> particularly big differences between how they do it in America and Eretz Yisrael, and between Ashkenaz and Sephardim. In just about every one of those cases, these minhag- these differences are just related to Chumras. It, it, it's like nothing or almost nothing that anyone thinks is Mi'ikr Hadin is Mokhuri to be taken out. But there are m- meaningful differences between how Nikr is done in different places. Now, there's two big things that happened in the recent, I don't know, we'll say decades, as Malicha and Nikr became more commercialized. Which is to say is, it used to be that all the Malicha and Nikr were done in, at, in the local butcher. Um, <coughs> and, you know, the Shita happened someplace, but the, the Nikr and the Malicha happened at, at your local butcher. Um, and now it's not really like that. There's not so many butchers who are doing Nikr and Malicha. And almost all of it is done at the slaughterhouse itself. So the first change that happened is, because of it is that the Minhagan that used to be very specific to different communities, like each community had the way they did it, and the local rub oversaw the local butcher shop to make sure they did it their way, the way their community's meaning was. Basically, they all got sort of melded together on amalgamated into one big process that that Rabbi Maksha decided that's the best way, or that's the way that's our way, or that's the way that fits with the most people. So it's, there's less and less of each kihilo doing it their own way. There, there are still some kihilos that, that their shrifa does it their way, but sort of things have become very uh, homogenized rather than being different the way it used to be each community. And the second is that in factories, they find it more efficient to do um, a lot of the nikr right after the shechita. It's called nikr cham, cham from the word hot, which is to say the animal is not yet chilled from refrigeration, which is when most when nikr used to happen. The animal had shechita, and by the time you came to the nikr, the animal was chilled down. It was cold and refrigerated for, for days or at least overnight. Uh, but this right now it's become considered more efficient to do good por- big portions of the nikr while the animal is still cham, um, still warm. Uh, and there are people who are not so uh, happy with that. There are people who are concerned that that doesn't do as good of a job as uh, it did the way they used to do. Okay, now, the nikr is very intricate and painstaking work, you know, very fine. You have to get specific things out, and you need a lot of, you have to know what you're doing, like a skill, but you also have to have attention to detail, like uh, be able to, you know, focus on doing things correctly. And in most places, the wor- that work is actually done by people who are not Jewish. Uh, but what happens is, there'll be a Shemir Shabbos Menaker who sits at the end of the line, and he's wide, he checks every single piece as it comes by to make sure that it was done, it was done correctly. Okay, so now that we've done our nikr, so we have the shechita to make sure the animal is not unavailable, the animal is kosher. Then we did had bedikah uh, for trefas to make sure the animal is not a trefa. Then, so now we have a kosher animal. Everything's kosher is good. Now we have to get out, as I mentioned, the nikr to get out the, these four things, four groups of things that have to get taken out of. And the last thing we need to do is, uh, is malicha. And that's because um, there's still blood left in the animal. We just take out the large blood vessels, but there's still blood in the animal. So we do a salting process. Uh, and the salting process it, itself has four steps to it. 
First, the meat has to have shmi, it has to soak in the water for half an hour. Then we cover it all sides with uh, coarse salt, otherwise known as kosher salt, because it's used for kashmir. Um, we put the meat into some kind of a container that has holes in the bottom of it, so that the blood can drip out. Uh, <coughs> and it stays, in, it stays in that container for, in that, in that place for 60 minutes. And then last is, we do um, the Gimel Hadachas, we rinse it three times in water to get salt and the blood off of it. Okay, now this whole procedure, this four steps, these, this procedure has to happen within 72 hours of Shechita, and if for some reason you can't get it done uh, within 72 hours, then before the 72 hours runs out, you can um, soak it in water, and that extends, gives you another 72 hours to start the Mecha. Okay, now... Um, Nowadays, not too many. It, it's not common at all that this is done as a lachachila. Meaning, there was a time when it was this was like a regular part of making kosher meat. Is that you dishkita would happen on a certain day? Let's say dishkita happened on Sunday, and then on Tuesday, it still wasn't ready for malicha because it was being shipped from here to there. That was far away, and it was a lachachila. They always cleaned, and on Tuesday they would uh, wash it or soak it with water to get them another three days, and then they would do the malicha let's say on Wednesday or Thursday. Um, <clears throat> but nowadays, it's almost not too many people do it as a lechatchila. There are some, but not too many people do it as a lechatchila. Usually, it only happens when there's some kind of a delay, something unexpected happens that makes it that you couldn't get the malicha done in time. I don't know, there's a snowstorm and the, and the truck couldn't make it in time. Uh, and then they'll um, do this soaking or washing to extend the time. Okay, now, a couple of details about these steps, these four steps I mentioned. Um, the first step, which is the the uh, Shriya, the soaking for half an hour, has to happen after the last time the meat is cut. Meaning, if you cut the meat again, after the, the Shriya, you have to do Shriya again. So, therefore, uh, there are those people who say is that the, the people can't move the meat around, the employees can't move the meat around with hooks, which is what they often would do, they would want to do. They sort of grab the meat by, with a hook, uh, because that's considered to be a, a, uh, as if it's a cut. So once the Shriya happens, there are those who say you should not um, use hooks in the meat, in the shrita. Okay. Next is that the 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 first step, the shriya, and the malicha, the shriya has to take 30 minutes, and the shriya and the malicha has to take 60 minutes. So in in most places, that uh, timing is automated, which is to say, is the meat is on a belt or on a chain or something like that, where it takes 30 minutes or 60 minutes to get from point A to point B. So you know that the meat sat in the water for long enough, or the meat was covered with salt for long enough, um, <coughs> in order to have it 30 minutes or 60 minutes, depending on which stage it has. Other people's are more, um, people do it manually, they just, you know, they put a marker, they'll, they'll put a piece of paper that says 1037, which means that at 1037, this one's going to be finished, whatever process it's in. Uh, but in lots of places, it's automated, meaning it takes a certain amount of time to get from here to there, and that way you know it had the right amount. <coughs> okay, now, the... First step, which is the shriya, is often done in like in a water bath, not in a pool, in a bath, like in a, in a long water bath where the meat goes slowly through from here to there. But other places don't do; they just put into a container. Um, and the the, the, the using a container is, is more common when you're using small parts like tails or cheeks or something like that, where there isn't not so easy to get them to pass through from one side of a bath to the other. Um, they don't fit, do well on belts or things or hooks or things like that. So they just they'll um, and put them just into a container. And when we said, I said beforehand that the malich has to be done on a 
tape, on something that has holes in the bottom of it. So some people do that in a belt, or the belt, a belt that has holes in it. Um, some people put it into a container. They call it a combo, just like a big container with holes in the bottom of it. But some people have it hanging from an overhead belt, like some kind of a belt that's overhead, so there's, there's nothing underneath it, it just grips on. Okay, so the point of either of any of these ways of doing it is that we want the blood that comes out of the meat just to drip, um, not to get to sit there, that the meat shouldn't sit in the blood, it should drip onto the floor or into some place, drip away from, from where the meat is. So um, in the first ways of doing it, like if it's on a belt or it's in a combo, um, so as I mentioned, there's going to be holes on the bottom, but also, you want to put the meat, I don't know how to say this, you said put the meat facing down, which is saying you make it that there's no puddles or places where the meat, where the blood could collect in the meat. Um, you think like a side of ribs, um, if you lay them the wrong way, then they'll be like just like a place where the meat, where the blood could collect in it. So you want to avoid that, and you put it facing down, so any uh, blood that comes out drips down and then goes to the holes that are on the bottom and falls to the floor. Of course, in the last one, where it's hanging from a belt, there, there is no bottom. Everything just drips out the bottom. Okay. Now, just like we said before by Nikkor, um, most of the labor that's done for, these, for this kind of work, um, the actual physical labor, putting on the salt and putting into the water, out of the water, is done by people who, who are not Jewish. Uh, just in plain employees, but there's a mashkiach overseeing it to make sure things are done correctly. Now, everything we said about malicha is for just about all pieces of meat, but liver, the blood that's in the liver does not come out by salting. You need to do something else. You have to kasha, you have to be broiling it. Uh, that's like not for today's discussion, a little more complicated for anyone who's doing that. Okay, and last before we go is that after we did all this effort to make sure the meat is kosher, uh, we did all these different steps to make sure we have it, the meat has to leave the plant with proper simanum on it, um, so that someone who, know, who buys it, a store or, or a consumer who buys it, knows that they're going to kosher meat, um, rather than someone substituting, after all that work, substituting something trade in its place.